In a world filled with movie podcasts, three critics from the juggernaut media market of San Antonio decided to change the entire course of the internet. A feat attempted by many and conquered by many. To produce a relatively listenable podcast, devastating truth bombs. Brace yourselves, guys. The Muppets are puppets. You know that, right? <laughs> no! Wait! Oh, okay. no! They're puppets. Don't ruin it! And <laughs> Muppets are puppets. This is kind of <laughs> Hard facts. Yeah, not Kevin Feige or Feig, whatever, but it's uh, Feig. I think it's Feige. Is it really? I have no idea. <laughs> Asking the important questions. What is that? What, what was that that I just saw right now? It was like a fat Iron Man. That's, that's a Hulkbuster. Hulkbuster armor. That's, that's, that's how he fights the Iron Man. <laughs> this is the Cinesnaw Podcast. Can I, can I tell you guys something weird? What's up? As with the opens playing and we're all just kind of looking around at each other, uh, I noticed you have a jacket on the floor over here. Yeah. It's black with white stripes on the sleeve. And for... A split second, I thought they were a pair of pants of mine that I had. <laughs> and I was like, what the... F- why are there... Why are my pa- pants... <laughs> well, where are my pants? It's just... <laughs> yeah. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Uh, it's, I guess, a testament to how exhausted I am. A testament to how uh, drunk you got the other night and can't remember that you left your pants in my house. Oh, you stopped playing it before I faded it all no, the way I down. You You did that. Did I? Yeah. I turned it off now because you faded it. No, it was still playing. I could no, still hear it. No. I could still hear it. I didn't stop playing it. I don't know what happens. In this this is a disaster already. There's, there's a ghost operating our board. Anyway, uh, I was turning the knob, mm-hmm. and I heard it go out before I turned it all the way down to zero. That's on you, buddy, because I didn't, I didn't do a thing. Jesus. This is such a professional operation. Uh, anyway, welcome to episode 33, right? I think so. That's the that's yeah. the age Jesus was when he was crucified, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 33 of the Cinesnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kiko Martinez. Do you remember uh, when <laughs> Jesus got crucified? <laughs> it's a crucifixion episode. Do you remember... <laughs> We're playing a game called Fact or Crucifixion. <laughs> Do you remember uh, in Man of Steel just how they kept smacking you over the head with uh, with the Jesus Christ allegories? How they were like, like they made specific mention of how uh, he was 33 years old. Clark Kent was 33 mm-hmm. years old. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I just wanted to punch the movie for doing that. I wanted like, to punch it for it. a lot of reasons. Anyway, um, so... I'm pretty exhausted. Uh, well, thank you, first of all, for driving both yeah. ways. Well, let's talk about what we did first oh, instead okay. of just saying that I drove a lot. <laughs> we drove around town. Uh, Jared's uh, training for NASCAR. <laughs> <laughs> I needed some uh, pep talk while I was uh, doing the, uh, the the series of left turns. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's what they call it, right? Yeah. Like a bunch of left turns. That's what it is. Rough. That's why it's so exciting. And uh, Rubbin is racing. Uh, <laughs> Days of Thunder. I've never actually seen that. Have you? No. Days mm-hmm. of Thunder. I don't think I've seen it. Days of know. Thunder. Yeah, it's not great. But I have met Michael Rooker, and Michael Rooker is in that. Cody, yes. and I do. Yeah. 
Yes, Michael it's Rooker. Deep cut. Go yeah, back and, to our and, previous episode. And Kiko was sitting in the Michael Rooker memorial seat for this trip. The seat that. Oh, yeah. The Michael, seat that Michael Rooker sat in in my car. And infamously trashed Jared's car. It's all good. I don't mind. Speaking of your car, we spent a lot of time in. We, Wait. <laughs> we drove. Uh, it's Sunday morning now, uh, Saturday, January 10th. Yesterday, we drove to Houston for the. Uh, Houston Film Critics Society Awards Show, uh, of which we are members, even though we are in San Antonio. Um, again, thanks to the leadership for allowing us in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we left at like 10 a.m. and uh, 11 a.m. and got there like 30 minutes before showtime. Got lost in a parking garage. Yeah. I was at the Sundance Cinemas downtown Houston. Really, really nice theater. Yeah, I really liked it there. I wish we had something similar to that here but uh it was really nice it's uh i i assume i didn't look at the movies that they were showing but the posters were all for art house movies so i assume it, it's an exclusively art house theater but it was really really nicely put together and a bar and food and like like even down to like the signs outside of the 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 theaters you were very impressed with that yeah yeah it was it was like on wood and it was like really nice lettering and yeah, you appreciated the woodwork. I did. I'm, you know, you're like uh, keeping up with the Jesus theme. The carpentry was really nice. <laughs> in this you're like theater. Any motherfucker can just throw a flat screen up there, with right? A, with a JPEG, exactly. Of the screen times. This guy, like, there's they employ a full time woodworker. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. You can hear his name Jesus. The faint noise of saws going off. There's <laughs> a there's an awl in the background. That's a tool, I guess. Oh, that's right. Like a you hear did you see her, the faint sound of sanding. That's the one complaint you have over yeah. the film is there's the faint sound of sanding. And it smell and it smells of like sawdust. stain and sawdust. Yeah. So you want to move to Houston maybe downtown somewhere? No. And... No. No. <laughs> well, will, let's not go that far. I used to visit Houston an awful lot. I don't know how the two of you your wife's family is from Houston, so you go back quite a bit, right? Yeah, Once at least two or three times a year. Um, um, it's a very different city than San Antonio. It's just so huge. I mean, I think some guy was telling somebody from the um, from the organization was telling us yesterday that they put a map over. Uh, oh, yeah. other other major cities in the in the world, and the only one that's comparable is London. Yeah, in terms of like like actual metro area, yeah, yeah the, the sprawling distance yeah. of it. So you can't get to anywhere in uh, Houston and. Less than forty minutes, yeah, from one place to the next, which would drive me crazy. Uh, drive, yeah. it would, it would. They do so, have some sort of like rudimentary mass transit. They have a train, but I don't know that any. I think people just get hit by it. I think that's all that ever happens <laughs> with the light rail that they have. I've used it before. Really? Yeah, it's it was awesome when I used it. But where'd you, where'd you go? Was it just downtown? Well, it was uh, to get from our hotel to Minute Maid Park for a concert, her Paul McCartney concert. And our hotel was nowhere near. Our hotel was at was near Reliance Stadium and we just took the light rail, dropped us off almost right in front of our hotel and then had to walk a little bit but not too far to Minute Maid. I guess they would connect the landmarks, it would make sense. Well yeah, that's sort of the stops. They're they're sort of landmark areas. It's like if you gotta get from Reliance Field to Minute Maid Park, we got you covered. Yeah. But you gotta get anywhere else. Well, yeah, and they have like I think they have like medical center stuff and arts district stuff. And would you ever need to get from Reliant 
Field to Minute Maid Park, like going to one event to another. I wonder if they have concurrent events because mm. the football and baseball seasons don't overlap. They, well, I guess a little bit. They they might if yeah they might if if like the Astros made the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Be like, I'm gonna go uh, straight from this Texans game to the Astros playoff game. No, I think I think they would overlap in regular season. Yeah, because it is like what August when football season starts. Yeah, somewhere around there. We're getting off topic here. Yeah. Anyway, uh, again, thanks to uh, leadership of the Houston Film Critics Society, President Josh Starnes, who you heard on our podcast um, a while back. Was it right before? Or that was right near the Michael Rooker episode. Callback. Uh, it, it, it was, was. afterwards. Because Michael Rooker was Wizard World. Josh oh, was on for right. Alamo City Comic Con. Yeah. Uh, and Pete Vanderhaar, the uh, vice president, uh, who we shattered his dreams last night. <laughs> we had a long talk about SeaWorld in San Antonio. And Pete, I'm sorry for telling you that uh, SeaWorld opened in 1988 because he was very convinced that he had visited SeaWorld here in San Antonio. As a child. As a child in eight, right? 1983. And like to the point where, where we were like, we had to pull out our phones. We each had to pull out our phones and like, verify that that was correct yeah and he's gonna call his dad and like <laughs> ask him what the hell happened well and poor pete i think he he checked several times just to be super sure and he, every time it came up <laughs> that it opened up in 88 and he was yeah. just he was dejected i think that's why we started doing more research on like the history of theme parks in san antonio <laughs> trying to find where his dad actually took him like where did i go <laughs> where he saw a killer whale in san antonio <laughs> i think was was what was the ingrained the, in his head right yeah. And it, he's like, because he was, you know, in uh, 1988, he said he would have been 19. So he's about 10 years older than me. Uh, he's like, I would not have gone somewhere with my parents to a theme park <laughs> when I was 19 years old. Yeah. Um, anyway, also thanks to, uh, uh, Tra- uh, sorry, Travis Lima. I'm sorry, how do you say his name? Lemans? Travis Lemans. I left out an N when I spelled it, so it just said Lemos. Good job, me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Travis, if you're listening. Uh, Treasury, uh, Treasurer, God, I cannot talk. Treasurer Travis Lemons, Lemons, God, <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody. Tomato, it's tomato, tomato. Lemons, Lemons. <laughs> and then uh, Secretary Alan Cerny, uh, thanks for having us. We had fun. Yeah, and we got to finally meet everyone. Um, we'd only met josh and then kiko and i had met one other oh i met scott um the other member that's josh's partner in his uh yeah. comic book uh company mm-hmm. uh, red five comics okay. yeah so everybody was really nice and inviting and welcoming so we took a big group picture yeah cody was in the front i was way in the back because you're so massively tall so I, I, standing on my tippy toes which you're like they're like everybody five nine get in the back <laughs> you tall bastards <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about the winners. Yeah. Um, Boyhood. Boyhood had a good day. Uh, and I think was probably expected. And I think it's, it ties nicely in with the Texas, uh, yeah. Uh, film critics society. Uh, we also give out the Texas independent film award, which boyhood also won. Boyhood won best picture, uh, best director also won Texas independent film award. Patricia, Patricia Arquette won for supporting actress and then best screenplay. Best screenplay and also uh, was it best technical achievement as well? Technical achievement, yeah, the award that I presented. Which, by the way, uh, that was my first time reading off a teleprompter. How was it? It was weird. It was like uh, you didn't even realize there was a camera behind it. No, that was the funniest part to me. Well, I mean, you're like, where were they shooting from? Like the (laughs) teleprompter. No, I I still am not convinced that they were shooting. Why wouldn't they? 
Well, because they had another separate camera. Well, yeah, but that was just a handheld camera. Well, then, like I said, everyone's going to be looking like deep into the soul of that's the, the camera. That's the point. That's the point of it. That's why there's a teleprompter in front of the the, the lens. Yeah, I know that, but I mean, I just... I, I We were all going to be confused, I would think, and so we would have like weird... I don't know. Why would you be confused? How many people in that room do you think had read off a teleprompter before? <laughs> Probably all of them. How? Because they did the award show before. Well, yeah, but I was watching an old award show, and they all had scripts. They were reading from scripts. Well, but you were looking at, like, 2010. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. That's what you do with the teleprompter. That's the purpose of a teleprompter is that you... you. I mean, you. have you ever seen uh, when somebody's not looking at one directly in front of the camera? Like, it's weird. Yeah, their eyes are, like, a little bit, like... Yeah. yeah, but I'm but not everyone who is ever reading from a teleprompter is on TV or being recorded. That's what I'm saying. Well, right, but I mean that it's specific. Like the president when he gives a speech, there's those there's yeah. two teleprompters so he can look around the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whenever there's a camera behind it, I just didn't see the camera there, and so yeah. I assumed that that uh, the person who was holding the camera, like right off to the side of the teleprompter, was the one filming. Well, they probably both were. I mean, they're both were. I, I assume. I'm, I'm but the get- person who was filming was in like the second row. The camera view must have not been that much different. Well, maybe he wasn't even. He was just shooting for his own posterity. Maybe he wasn't. <laughs> Dude, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you did a good job. Um, you, you just you didn't know where you, where to put your hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a common problem for me in any situation. <laughs> you should always like have a, a pair of dice or something. <laughs> yeah. Something to juggle while you're Yeah. Or or just like a knife. Yeah, just be, just be like uh I nobody so What was like, that? What was that hand gesture? It was, a, it was him opening up a butterfly knife. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. It was like You know, we have a, a there's a sports anchor that I worked with. I won't name any names. But uh if he's not holding a script mm-hmm. uh his arms will just be straight at his sides like a robot. <laughs> and like he doesn't know what to do with them. Like he'll just stand there. And that's why that's why you see whenever people are standing up like ESPN or even on the local news, they're usually holding a script. Yeah. That's in case the prompter goes down and then you have someone to do with your hands. Right. I mean on a podium, typically I just put my hands on the podium. You should have been like this. Like, <laughs> like Kiko has his hands on his hips. Perhaps I couldn't reach the podium, so I didn't want to be like putting my hands up. Did like you have that. to lower the mic? I didn't pay yeah, attention. I did. Oh. so who else won uh so like you said big winner of the night was um was boyhood winning best picture and then the texas independent film award uh best actor went to jake gyllenhaal who very kindly sent in a video of him accepting the award um which which is kind of cool considering you know that was directed at you know I mean, there's only like what twenty four, twenty five of us. Yeah. So that was kind of cool to to have, even though I didn't, I didn't vote for him at, in either. a top slot. But, yeah. Um, who did? I don't remember who I voted for. <laughs> I voted for Keaton. Oh yeah, of course, Michael yeah. Keaton. Yeah, uh, me too. Number one. Not to say that Joan Hall didn't do great in the movie. I I, I liked him a lot in Nightcrawler. Yeah. Just so. every now and then, there's a surprising one. I think in all these kind of critics societies that yeah. they and. Uh, a, a film that you and I loved, Wild, had zero representation except for Reese Witherspoon right. uh, as Best Actress, and only because it's such a weak field yeah. this year. Well, and, and, but that that award went to Julianne Moore. Um, Best Supporting Actor, J.K. Simmons for Whiplash. 
Best Supporting Actress, Patricia Arquette for Boyhood. Best Director, Richard Linklater for Boyhood. Cinematography, uh, Manuel Lubezki for Birdman. Animated Feature, Lego Movie. Yes. Documentary, sure. Citizen Four, um, which had a... Which Kiko presented. And he, and he had the one of the, one of the, the, the hiccups of the night <laughs> <laughs> where... Well, Kiko, you were you had to you actually. Uh, that was the other category where the winner responded uh, and sent something along. She sent along a note, right? So I had to read uh, uh, the director's um, speech for, of acceptance. So I had to accept it on her behalf and then read her speech. But yeah, um, I kind of screwed up. I was following the teleprompter fine, and it was kind of weird though, because I, I don't think I've, I've only read from a teleprompter maybe two t- two times before, um, but it's been like a couple of years. And so I skipped over where it says clip plays now or whatever. <laughs> you jumped your cue. So I jumped, yeah. Is that what it's called? I jumped my cue. Yeah. So. Um, and and uh, Josh had to run and yell, and yell at you. Knock me behind the head and I think it went all right. It was funny. It's funny that they gave me the best documentary award and the word documentary. <laughs> <laughs> the word. I think you only messed it up once. Yes, yes I messed it up I lo- once. Because I looked at Cody and I was like, man, he almost made it. <laughs> documentary is a fucking word that i just have so much trouble saying and i had to say it once in my speech and then when i was reading laura's acceptance speech she says it at least three or four times yeah and, and i got you I were got, practicing it on the way i don't know what the fuck is wrong with me with that word just think about it uh, like if you had a doctor named Umenary. doctor Umenary? yeah and then just go hey documentary God. <laughs> hey, what's up, documentary? Yeah, see? Oh, my but word. then she said documentarian, too. Oh, and documentarian. that was like another... Oh, yeah. Kind of screwed me yeah. up a little bit. I don't know what it is about. Are there any words you have that just fuck you up like that? When I try to say edited, it oh. always sounds weird to me. Oh, edited. But yeah, I, I have those, and it's like, it just doesn't... I'm like, edited, did, 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 did. Anyway, what, what's... Uh, let's move on. Uh, foreign film was force majeure. Uh, which is kind of surprising. Uh, best screenplay, like I said, uh, Boyhood. Best poster went to the Grand Budapest Hotel. And best score also went to Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. And then best original song, Everything is Awesome. That's the one I presented. Yes. I wrote a, a little jokey intro. Uh-huh. That was good. And then it got, got a laugh from our, our voiceover announcer. <laughs> it was funny because I, I said my stupid joke and... And then the the guy doing the he was a, a voiceover guy from uh, the CW in Dallas and Austin. I'm mean, Dallas and Houston, and then he just gives that little <laughs> <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Technical achievement, which was what I presented, was went to Boyhood, and then uh, worst film went to The Identical. Uh, any more to say about the awards? Um, that was a good time. I, I enjoyed um, more than the awards themselves, which are which are good. Um, I enjoyed talking to everybody afterwards, and yeah, we had a long uh, talk with uh, Josh and uh, Pete, the president, and vice president. Uh, like we said, talked, shattered Pete's dreams about having gone to Sea World. Yeah, just talked business, talked. Uh, well, it's how- good to it was good to get sort of you know we're so far away from it, so we're removed, and not only that, but we're new. So to get yeah. the information on how things go, and and to see that that a lot of people share our thoughts about this whole process um, is pretty cool to see. So. Most refreshing to me was uh, that both Pete and Josh share the same idea 
uh, we were talking about this on the way home, that when you get a screener in the mail, mm-hmm. it's like a gift that you don't have to go to the theater right. to watch a movie, especially in the busy season. And I, I and also, uh, I think uh, I was talking to Alan Cerny a little bit. He was like, somebody was asking if he saw something that came out late last year. He's like, nope, I'm done with 2014. Yeah. Like, I'm not watching anything else from 2014. I, I kind of feel, feel the same way. way. Yeah. yeah, I do too. Anyway, uh, so that's going to do it for that. Let's go ahead and move on to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Selma. As long as I am unable to exercise my constitutional right to vote, I do not have command of my own life. I cannot determine my own destiny, for it is determined for me by people who would rather see me suffer than succeed. Those that have gone before us say, no more. No protest that means march that means disturb the peace that means jail that means risk and that is hard we will not wait any longer give us the vote that's right no more they're not asking we're demanding give us the vote This is a chronicle of Martin Luther King's campaign to secure equal voting rights via an epic march from Selma to Montgomery, Alabama in 1965. So we all saw this an awful long time ago. Yeah. Uh, we all saw this and we all put it in our top tens. Yeah. No, this is a great, great movie. Uh, Kiko, why don't you start? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, this is the first time that we've gotten a um, movie with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. at the center of it. Um Ever. Um, I think there's been, you know, of course, documentaries and other... That's really surprising to me. That yeah, I think so. One. So, um, I mean, that's a lot of... Not for a lack of effort, by the way. They've been trying to get it... Like, Spielberg right. had a, a Martin Luther King movie he tried to get off the ground for a long time. Yeah. Just that it's taken... You know, this event I mean, is 50 years old. So well, this is... I mean, and I think even this this script has been around since, like, 2007. Okay. So... Um, it's... I mean, it's such an iconic... Uh, story and uh mlk is such a important part of our history that you know i i could only assume that there was so much pressure on this um, production to get it right which is i mean i guess when you're when you're talking about anything like that it's the same thing i mean i was really disappointed with what they did with the cesar chavez movie earlier um because that was the first movie about him too um really that kind of came out and kind of blew it they lost they um Totally missed the opportunity to do something great with that. But here, a uh, completely different story. I mean, we got um, uh, David Oyelowo. Oyelowo. David Oyelowo coming out and just doing a fantastic uh, uh, portrayal of, of King. Um, what, what, I think Cody mentioned this in his re- review, but what I think is great about a movie like this and any bi- uh, biopic is that it doesn't really try to span the entire life of yes. somebody, uh, which is completely um frustrating when they do it and do it wrong i mean i can understand going you know showing their childhood and you know how they got every so often but it doesn't work all the time because uh, there's just so much of somebody's life to get through uh here they just focus on, on one specific uh, part of it and really uh nail you know exactly what was going on during that time and um it's just a fantastic movie to watch and it's so timely right now with everything that's happening in real world news um to see uh, how far we've come and how far we still need to go, um, but yeah, the uh, the the, nar- the narrative is just great. It's really powerful. 
um, it's it's really awesome <clears throat> awesome to see uh, what how they put this together and how that march kind of um, affected everybody in 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 the U.S. during that time. So I really thought this movie was powerful. It, it, uh, it made my number three of my top ten list. Uh, just a really brilliant movie. Um, Oli Oyelowo. Oyelowo. Oyelowo is great. Um, Tom Wilkinson plays uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah. A little bit of controversy behind that. I'll let Cody take care of that part. But um, uh, everybody was fantastic, and it, I, I would I wouldn't say it was the best uh, uh, racial. Um, um, uh, civil rights movie that I've seen in my life. I still think that goes to Mississippi Burning, um, but uh, very close. It was a solid movie. So, Cody, yeah, I, I think that any discussion of this of this film starts and ends with David Oyelowo, who sort of he does a lot of um, he does a lot of really good work, both subtly and kind of in that powerful. You know, speaking the speech, the speeches that we know from uh, Martin Luther King, um, kind of those rousing speeches like you heard in the clip, which he's he sort of he sort of embodies Martin Luther King in those scenes. And, you know, impressively, for anyone who doesn't know, they could not get the rights to King's actual speeches for this yeah. film. So, which is that is surprising. Why, why, why wasn't that possible? Uh, another, uh, another. I think DreamWorks from the Spielberg thing actually owned the rights to the speech, and That's they could not so get them. Strange. That's so strange. <clears throat> they couldn't buy it's just it. Such a, it's just such a part of the public domain. It seems yeah. like public discourse. That well, and the interesting thing is the the director Ava DuVernay. Um, she she wrote all of the speeches, but in some cases she sort of tweaked them just a little bit and just had the same idea but changed a few words here and there so they didn't get sued for copyright <laughs> infringement. And then in other places she actually rewrote some of them, which you would never know unless you actually knew those speeches well. Right. I mean, I mean, obviously the I Have a Dream speech is the, the fam- most famous of mm-hmm. all. The- right. But again, that speech predates the right. events in Selma. So. Because again, if you if you listen, it, there's a line of dialogue in here that says something about his "I have a dream" speech. It references it. Mm. So wasn't it, it when he's because uh, at the beginning he's winning the Nobel Peace Prize? Yes, right? yeah. yeah. It was, and that was uh, in the wake of that right. speech. So this is it, and like you said, and like I wrote in my review, it um, it, uh, it 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 has this perfect thing where it's it's it just takes a small sliver of his life and his accomplishments and focuses on that versus. You know, spanning Martin Luther King as a child up until, you know, the day he died. Yeah. Um, uh, I think – do you think maybe that the fact that they didn't have access to these iconic speeches helped craft a better movie instead of just hitting, like, high points? Like, instead of, like, oh, here we go. Now it's time for the I Have a Dream speech. And well, you have an actor that has to recreate that speech – I think that I sort of, but I also think that the speeches that he gives in the movies are also famous speeches that he gave, just reworded. Mm-hmm. So I think that they did hit those high points, but but I don't know if the fact that they didn't have the access to "I Have a Dream" mean that they left it off, or if they were just focusing on the voting rights mm-hmm. in in Selma. Um, but yeah, there's also subtle work done by Oyelowo that's that's really great. Like um, the, I think the scene that hits the hardest. And uh, and I won't spoil what happens, but um, he's talking to the father of someone who has died mm-hmm. as part of the group. And there's a really subtle scene where, like, not much is said at all, but it's really powerful. Um, 
I, I think that, uh, you know, like you were saying, the controversy right now is that uh, people say that LBJ did not stand uh, as as uh, someone who got in the way of the of the Voting Rights Act and someone who, um, I, I guess, in, in the movie he's portrayed as he's not a villain but as kind of the antagonist. It's not so much that he's the antagonist as this he's – he has a different agenda, right? And a different He's, timetable. Well, and, mm-hmm. and see, the thing is, the people who are complaining say that he opposed the act, and I did not get that from the movie at all. I, I didn't the, either. I get I the either. fact that he is trying to delay it, and it no. doesn't. And it doesn't attempt to make LBJ a villain. Yeah, I, I didn't. Think see, at all. I didn't think I, I saw him as a villain. He was just somebody that was in, getting in the way, and uh, I didn't I feel like it, it was the right time yeah, for it. You see, know? I don't even see it as getting in the way. It was just like, hey, you know. This is, we've got other stuff going on. Now, there, there are some things that I guess are fundamentally wrong about it. I guess uh, the idea that, that LBJ ordered J. Edgar Hoover to, to essentially blackmail uh, Martin Luther King. I, I, I heard that it was more of Kennedy who put the surveillance on MLK. Yeah, there. Um, well, J. J. Edgar Hoover was just notorious for doing stuff like that. So well, I think getting if you got on his shit list, then. But you know. but but in the movie LBJ orders. Oh, I right. see. Okay. There, and there's a pretty chilling uh, kind of uh, way of marking the passage of time through through the wiretapping. Yeah, you, the on screen it, it's as the months go by, as the weeks go by, it's you get a like I guess an FBI surveillance report. Yeah. on King, and there is a a famous uh, letter that was released not long ago, uh, and it's kind of touched on in a recording here. Where yeah. they send a letter to King, basically trying to get him to kill himself. The FBI. Mm. Have you heard of that? Where it's, it talks about how he's a, you know, it touches on his infidelities mm-hmm. and uh, the fact that he's not a great man. And I, I, I don't know if that's the same uh, dialogue they use for that speech yeah, or not the speech, know. but the recording mm-hmm. he's listening to. All oh, right. Uh, but uh, there are some sinister things. That the fact that, you know. The pieces don't connect. I don't think makes it any less powerful. Right. I, and I don't. I do think that that's a. Re- and I was talking to someone earlier this week about this. The the idea. I think it's a really really interesting debate. Not one I want to have, but <laughs> but a really interesting debate of whether historical movies have any obligation to be accurate, or if Hollywood has the has the creative license to change history or adjust history. I think it's a really interesting debate. Um, Especially if something purports itself to be based on a true story, if you can change, uh, and, and it's a little different when you have, you know, a story, a based on a true story that's just based on someone's life versus something that's historically significant. Um, yeah. I, and again, I don't want to have that debate, but I think it's an interesting not one now to think at least. About. Yeah. Because I, I think it's yeah, I think it's a great. I mean, the one that comes to mind real quick is the Social Network. Now pissed off, Mark Zuckerberg was with how much they changed his life. Like his personal life during that time. I mean, is that enough to? Well, and we even have something happening like with Foxcatcher right now. That, oh, right. Where right. Mark Schultz is is uh, is pissed off at the way things are portrayed. Or his, his he is portrayed, and he's an actual person. But again, I do think that's different from historical. Films. I, I agree. Uh, you know, if it's just a kind of tale of like somebody's personal life, you're filling in the blanks mm-hmm. uh, to get to an end game in the story. But if you're changing facts about how certain national events went down, right? Um, I mean, I guess uh, with the LBJ stuff, there's not really any way to know for sure. I mean, the, the well, there are taped recordings and stuff well, like that. Well, but I mean, that... the the 
the uh, I mean, you don't obviously know what his true agenda was. Well, and it's also the the, the also the idea between getting something and changing history and just like omission where you're not right. including things like right. like that's another <clears throat> complaint that's being levied against the film. It's that they omit parts where LBJ was very helpful towards this movement and where they they were seen. You know, I think historic his, uh, excuse me, history sees them as partners in mm-hmm. in this thing. Whereas the movie sort of portrays it as as uh, King really leading it and LBJ being like a reluctant partner, yeah, uh, at at best. So I I, I I understand, but I think I think that um, I think that doesn't change the fact that the movie's great and yeah, and it, it's kind of disappointing that this controversy might influence people's decision because we talked about this yesterday the movie hasn't been exactly marketed well paramount has totally <clears throat> butchered the release and the marketing of this movie it's insane how bad it's been yeah uh don't they know what they have you would think that they would know what they have well it's i mean it's top to bottom i mean it's just the idea that screeners never made their way out to to these guilds so these guild awards are coming out and selma isn't there like the pga didn't nominate selma uh, the BAFTA awards, no nominations for right. Selma, and it's because nobody saw it. And it's like, uh, I think if anyone saw it, they would realize what it. I mean, it's at a, it was, it was at a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's down to ninety nine. I can understand a little bit the marketing because look, this is a prestige movie, and obviously it should be hitting theaters in the in the late fall, early winter. You know, this is when mm-hmm, this right. stuff comes out. But then you have, uh, the Martin Luther King holiday coming up uh next week mm-hmm. which is a which is a historically powerful weekend for african american films mm-hmm. and i understand wanting to get that box office and the relevance that comes with it and even though they're not releasing it that this next you know the week bef- the weekend of the holiday i can see wanting to hold it until it's you know more top of mind to people but i think it's been a mistake yeah uh, just get, and then you allow this controversy to fester, you know. And I don't. I hope it doesn't derail any chances this movie has at, you know, Oscars. Uh, but we saw it happen with Zero Dark Thirty a few years ago, where the torture thing latched on, and like each side claimed it as its own. Well, and also you have to wonder if Oscar voters have seen the movie because uh, because so few screeners have been sent out and. Yeah. And I just I don't I don't it's a very weird thing. I, it's it's almost as if Paramount doesn't know what they have on their hands, and they have to. But I don't, it's very weird. Situ- and also, not only that, but this movie is incredibly timely. I mean, it's the yeah. right movie at the right time. Um, and it's uh, it's kind of crazy to see it the marketing being butchered so poorly, but or it's being butchered well, I guess. <laughs> Uh, just not – yeah, you're treating it as if it's some kind <clears throat> of, uh, you know, less prestigious uh, biopic. Because, you know, you, we see those all the time where it's just sort of like here's this thing and it exists. Well, and something I wrote about in my review is that it is sort of equal parts raw and polished mm-hmm. because it looks slick. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks really great. But, I mean, it's a raw movie. I mean, it's it's heavy. It's it It deals with these things. It doesn't deal with them with kid gloves. It's kind of – yeah, I, I guess it's the difference between like this and like another civil rights movie, like maybe The Butler, which was good. I like The Butler a lot, but it, there's there, it sort of it, it sort of felt 
surface. It well, it felt like it was like just wasn't it basically like Forrest Gump, civil rights movie. (laughs) Well, I mean, it just felt like it was in a bubble, kind of like the Help. The Help kind of just felt like it was a small, a small story surrounded by a much larger one um, that it never broke through. Um, not that they weren't and both I, okay movies, but I think this movie is helped immensely by Oyelowo's rather uh, unknown profile. You true, know, you, true. There's not some some big name actor. We have J- Jamie Fox playing um, right. Martin Luther there's King. not some big name actor who has the baggage of. Uh, I mean, he doesn't necessarily look much like Martin Luther King. Uh, I mean, they. You know, they cut his hair the same way, and he has the same mustache, but he doesn't really resemble him very much at all. Uh, and I think that helps because there's not really. I mean, Oprah Winfrey is in this movie and basically says nothing. You know, yeah. it's uh, you know in a different world, and maybe ten years ago she would have played Coretta Scott King. You know. Uh, and I think it helps that you've you've got more unknown actors right. in the role. It would have taken away from, you know. It's just it seems like it would be less powerful. I think personally, mm-hmm. you know. No, I agree. If you've got Jamie Fox and you know, ten years ago you have Jamie Fox and Oprah Winfrey as Martin Luther King and his wife. Right. You know? <laughs> what did y'all think about um, before we move on to the next review? What did you think about them talking a little bit about? Uh, they touched on his infidelity a little bit in that one scene. Um, I think people might have a problem with it if I think it's important. Yeah, it was it was it was part of the criticism against him even yeah. even back then. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that you know, overlooking stuff like that is detrimental to. But I like that they do that. I mean, I like that. The, I mean, again, this was not something that was officially sanctioned by his family, right? Uh, so I think that uh, I, I think that one of the problems. I was reading uh, something. Someone who tried to make a Martin Luther King movie. It was Oliver Stone had uh, had an all uh, had a Martin Luther King line uh, movie lined up, but Oliver Stone really wanted to dig into the infidelity and in in that part, just that he was a flawed person, mm-hmm. an important person, but a flawed person was what Oliver Stone said, mm-hmm. and ultimately it got shut down by King's family, and so he bowed out of it because he couldn't make that movie. So. Um, I think I respect that they go into that a little bit. They don't, they acknowledge it. They don't really dive into it. No, but, well, yeah, and but, I think it because there's not enough time for it. Because this is you know three months of his life, right? You know, it's not like they can explore this. You know, it's not like a normal biopic where they would explore this as a, you know, this would be the second act conflict sort of thing. Right, but, right. All right. So grades. Uh. Whoever, whatever. Go I'll go, I B plus. It's um, it's it's a very very good movie, and I and I had it on my at number three on my list, which a B plus at number three hurts hurts my insides. But uh, I don't think it has that transcendent A minus score to it. But it's very very good. Uh, I'm with you. B plus. It was um, just. Uh, I would. Yeah, it was good. I would say B plus also. I think it's uh, very very well done. And I hope it doesn't get buried in any kind of controversy or the fact that nobody saw it. We'll find out next week. Yeah. Wow, it's already next week. For an Oscar nomination. Thursday. So crazy. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our last movie, Inherent Vice. (laughs) That you, Shasta? Thinks he's hallucinating. 
No, just a new package, I guess. I need your help, Doc. Uh, you know, I have a an office now. That's like a day job and everything. I looked at the phone book. I almost went over there. Then I thought better for everyone if this looks like a secret rendezvous. So, somebody keeping a close eye? Just spent an hour on surface streets trying to make it look good. In 1970, drug-fueled Los Angeles detective Larry Doc Sportello investigates the disappearance of a former girlfriend. Now, I'm going to let Kiko start again because uh, this is... This is a the, very tough time for you. Yeah, this is a very personal uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm movie. I'm sobbing up here. It's a personal movie for me because um, I love P.T. Anderson. He's my favorite director, working director right now. Um, I've loved him since... Uh, the day you laid eyes on him. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're so jealous of Maya Rudolph that she gets to. Yeah, before it was Fiona Apple. Oh yeah, remember? Um, everything that he touches, I think, is amazing. Just uh, there will be blood. Is uh, just uh, the last movie I actually gave an A plus to. And that was seven years ago. Um, Boogie Nights is amazing. Punch Drunk Love, The Master. I don't share your enthusiasm for everything he's done. I I think everything he touches turns to gold. Except for, <sighs> I just advice. I couldn't get on board with this movie. I I was just so disappointed. Um, you have to watch uh, P.T. Anderson movies more than once. The only the two movies that I saw that just blew me away on first viewing were There Will Be Blood and um, and uh, Boogie Nights. And that's it. Everything else, I remember the first time I saw Magnolia in the theater back in 1999. Uh, I was 19 years old and. Which that movie is my favorite movie of all time, uh, right now. There's a frog from that movie right over here, right? Mm-hmm. Three frogs. Three frogs. And and they're then they're looking at you really sad right now. <laughs> it didn't hit me. The movie didn't hit me at all. Um, I thought it was good, but you know, I just I was 19 and didn't really didn't really get into my soul like it did. Uh, the second viewing, I saw, maybe saw it a year later, and it, it changed. It became this. Uh, Movie that just kind of like you, you evolved. You watch it so many times that you force your sh- yourself. To Basically, I. No. <laughs> um, so I mean, I've done that. Uh, I mean, I've seen Magnolia dozens of times. I've seen. Uh, did you respect the cock? I I I, I did definitely. <laughs> um, same thing uh, with Punch Drunk Love. Um, thought it was a really good movie when I first saw. It, then uh, a few more force times to like it. For, I forced myself to like the movie. <laughs> No, I saw it again and again. It just changes. It make, it makes more sense uh, on, on multiple viewings. Uh, and then, of, of course, same thing for the master. I, I uh, last year, or the year before that, um, great film, better film uh, with every uh, viewing after that. Uh, with uh, <laughs> Inherent Vice, though, I knew right away after the first viewing that it's not a it's not a world. It's not a narrative that I wanted to return to at all. Um, I did though a couple of more times and didn't change at all it didn't um move me in any way uh there was no emotion behind it as his other films and it's really disappointing to me uh i'm not i don't think that it's like this big end end all thing that he's going through i mean it's his worst reviewed movie of his career just uh on on a from a consensus from critics everywhere but um 
there's some people that love it. Um, there's some people that hate it. I can't kind of fell just right in between them. I just um, couldn't get on board with uh, what he was trying to do with this uh, uh, Thomas Pinchon novel. Um, I don't read Thomas Pinchon. Um, supposedly you have to have read the book. Supposedly to... you have to be this big fan, which I understand. I think that Pinchon. I, no, was... I think that's bullshit. Personally, well, I don't know. I mean, I haven't read the book. No, but so... I, mean, I think it's bullshit to say that you have to be a fan. You like, oh, you have to have read the book. That's to... making excuses for the movie being bad, right? Yeah. I mean, it's that's straight up what it is. It's it's making an excuse for it. They're two different mediums. It's yeah, ridiculous. Well, e- either way, I mean, I, can't, I have nothing to compare it to, which I don't care. I'm looking at it as from a film, not from a. Uh, uh, written word perspective so um there's there's some great things about this film it just doesn't come together i mean uh joaquin phoenix is really good as this uh private eye um uh, the the look and feel of the uh the 70s uh yeah los angeles i felt like i was there mm-hmm. um some other supporting characters are, are, are really are really strong like uh, josh brolin and uh, specifically like martin short's uh stuff um, even though he was in the movie for like five minutes, um, but it just doesn't come together. It's very convoluted. It's very incoherent, um, and so I couldn't. I can't re- recommend this. This is the first P.T. Anderson movie uh, that I did not find to be fulfilling for me. So I mean, let's be honest. <clears throat> you should just watch The Big Lebowski instead, right? <laughs> That's. I mean, my feeling. And again, I, I should say. Uh, I, I don't have much to say about this because <clears throat> I was looking at my list of movies that I keep, and I've seen 35 movies since I've seen Inherent Vice. <laughs> so, like, it's a distant memory. But um, uh, with the whole thing I was thinking when I was watching it is this is P.T. Anderson doing a Coen Brothers movie. Like, yeah. that's, the, that's the first thing I thought of. And Which shouldn't be bad, though. I mean, how's that bad? P.T. Anderson doing but it's a Coen ju- Brothers It's movie. an imitation. That's why. I didn't it's... even see him. I didn't even see Coen's in this. Dude, I didn't... It, was, it, was, it was Lebowski. It was Lebowski all over again for me. Yeah. And it, like by the end of it, like when nothing really gets solved. Yeah. And it just is. It just happens. It's just the end. Because that's the same. And that's what I love about Big Lebowski. Like nothing really happens. Yeah. But yeah, it's just but... such a it's just such a fun movie to, to sit through. Yeah. But Lebowski at least follows some kind of. You know, coherent timeline and um, you know storyline. You can follow it. This one is just like there's so many things happening at once that I mean, the first time I saw it, I was lost after an hour, and that's why I had to go back again and see it a couple more times. Well, I'm not saying it's the same as Big Lebowski, right? And it's it's tonally worse than Big Lebowski. The tone is very Coen Brothers esque. I mean, it's it's one of the things that stands out about this compared to Anderson's other work is that it's more comedic than his other work and i think that's where actually it has its most success is in its funnier moments i mean josh brolin is really funny i would disagree i don't think it's the most comedic i think uh, boogie nights is way funnier than this i think I, i i didn't say funnier i said more comedic the difference is uh 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 like uh, I think the tone is more. Comedic. I think there's a different type of comedy in this. There's some more like it's broader. Uh, yeah, I think it's bro- like when he yeah, but specifically when he looks at the Jenna Malone's baby. Yeah. and has that scream that you're not sure if he's yeah like hallucinating or if that's a like a whatever. I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to be, frankly. Yeah. But I think but I think in Boogie Nights it's funny, but it's sort of. Uh, it plays it straight. It plays it straight versus Inherent Vice, where I mean, like, there's a whole thing. Where uh, I, I don't know what you would call it, but Joaquin Phoenix goes into like a, a whorehouse, basically. 
It's and, uh, the, the massage parlor. Yeah, yeah. It, but it's a front, and but, I mean that scene is totally played for comedy. And like Josh Brolin is like filleting a like a, several different foods like during he's it. He's eating a chocolate covered bananas several times, basically sucking a giant yeah frozen banana dick yeah <laughs> several times. And there and that weird uh, like whatever's happening with. Um, <clears throat> Josh Brolin in that commercial yeah. at the beginning where he's disguised. Yeah. It's 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 weird. I, I you know, it's one of those things I, I, I disagree with you on Joaquin Phoenix the the performance by him. I he's just a mumbling mushmouth in this movie and in, in a lot of movies, but I I hate that about him when he mumbles. I thought he was fine. I mean, I didn't but by the end of it and you know, there's that. There's a like a weird, the weird scene with um, what's her name, Catherine Waterston, mm-hmm. yeah, where she's naked, yeah, and talking to him for like five minutes, and it ends just strangely, yeah. Uh, you know, it's a it's a like a long unbroken take of her nude with Joaquin Phoenix, and it ends just really bizarrely. Yeah, I felt that kind of that really changed the tone of the movie for me for a little bit. I don't know. Like I I actually I like that scene a lot. Because she's naked, she's beautiful. Uh, I yeah, but I for other reasons. Mm. But uh, I don't know. I just uh, the story itself. I mean, it, it after the, the the second viewing, I really understood what was happening and who was supposed to be on whose side and who was you know who they're trying to find. But I didn't really care if because the bottom line is he's trying to find this one um um this one man who may or may not have been put into a loony bin. Uh, but I didn't care if he did find him or not. I honestly didn't. So when it happens or doesn't happen in the movie. Um, but then like, I mean, I just hit. kept going back to Lebowski. Like Catherine Waterston's character was just Tara Reed's character again to me. Like somebody that it, he met at the beginning and had to find and then he found her and it was done. I like, also think that this movie has a, a, an issue that I personally don't like, which is having um, actor cameos that just mean nothing. <laughs> like how Reese Witherspoon's character adds nothing, and yeah. like Benicio del Toro adds nothing. I liked Benicio del Toro just because it was a weird character. Like he was a maritime lawyer, yeah, uh, <laughs> and he was wearing a skipper's hat. Yeah, but uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where, where where like like Kiko was describing, it's kind of aimless, and and that's that's sort of the. But thing. that's what P- Pinchon is. It's aimless. But see, I like I liked the weird pulpy vibe but even uh, but just structurally it's a mess it's a yeah. total mess i mean it's just it's just and he left out a lot apparently he i mean he cut the book you know down so much i just feel like it feels like somebody was on his behind him looking at what he was doing it doesn't feel like an anderson movie it, to me i, I people dis- would disagree with that but it, just because it's like weird and bizarre it, it feels to me like it's trying to coast by on being weird and bizarre like it's like because like it never quite feels like you're out of some kind of druggy fog to me, mm-hmm. you know. Like, like you could think that the entire thing is a hallucination, and maybe like that's everything. the point, right? Yeah. Um, but it just it just never feels right to me. Like it just never. Also, it it also wraps up in a very non PT Anderson way. Well, it sort of like all ties up neatly in a bow at the end. <clears throat> uh, I mean. You could go either way on that. I mean, I think Boogie Nights ties up nicely. Um, I think the master ties doesn't. <laughs> it's more, you know, loose ends there. But I don't know. 
I it was even... be Bud has just the most feel good ending <laughs> ever. I'm finished. <laughs> That's what every movie should end like that. <laughs> exactly. Did you see there's a picture? I guess uh, P.T. Anderson did something at an Alamo draft house, and, and one of the guys who worked there posted a picture on Twitter. He was holding a milkshake, and P.T. Anderson was drinking it oh, while really? he was holding on to That's it. Awesome. I thought he was going to be beating him with a bowling pin. Yeah. God, you just... Sorry. Paul Dano gets beaten to death with a bowling pin, <sighs> and there will be blood. That's how it ends. I was told... I can't even remember now. I remember... We talked about There Will Be Blood last night, but what was the deal? Why was Paul Dano playing two characters in There Will Be Blood? Can you remind me? Oh, you don't know? You don't, don't know? I don't fucking remember. <laughs> I remember about that movie as Daniel Day-Lewis because he was amazing. Well, I mean, it's uh, two characters, but they're twin brothers. Yeah, but uh, wasn't there like a behind-the-scenes reason too? Well, the guy that was supposed to play the first brother, I don't know why he wasn't part of the movie. He dropped yeah. out or they like, he couldn't do it, so they just got down on the... They decided to turn it into twin brothers, uh, but some people look uh, think there's d- a deeper meaning to that, and it was the same person, and he was, you know, fucking yeah. around. I don't know. It could be seen both ways, I guess. What, depending on what you want to read into it. I hate that guy as an actor. I just Paul Dano. I just don't like him. Why? At all. I just think he's a bad actor. I, 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 don't I think, think he's fine. he is. I think he's good. Well, I, they, I mean, there are some actors, and you, I'm sure you guys have your own people who you just don't. You don't like just. I mean, even if even if they they aren't bad, you just don't like them. Like <laughs> that, Gerard Butler, I I just cannot stand Gerard Butler. You don't like his face. You know, uh, it's funny. Gerard Butler was in uh, was one of those guys they kept, and I, I think Jeremy Renner's like that too, where they kept trying to shove him down your throat, like mm-hmm. trying to make him a movie star. Yeah. But you remember when Sam Worthington was getting all those roles? Yeah. And like now he where where has he been? Like the last movie I remember him was in Wrath of the Titans, and that was like. I, I remember Man on a Ledge was the last one I remember with him. Don't you feel the same about uh, Jesse Einsberg, though? Uh, I well, the difference is I have liked I've I've liked Paul Dano once, and that was Little, in Miss, Little, Sunshine. Miss, Sunshine, Little Miss Sunshine. I've never liked Gerard Butler, and I've liked uh, Jesse Eisenberg. I like in Adventureland, and. Um, and I guess to a to a lesser extent, thirty minutes or less. I'm trying to think of um yeah, and I'm trying to think of an uh, actor that I just you didn't like him in Zombieland. Uh, it's the same. Th- it's the same thing. It's the oh, same yeah. character every time, every single time. But I mean, isn't that why you hire Jesse Eisenberg though? Isn't that a bit like complaining that uh, you know, oh Samuel L. Jackson yelled and cussed? You know. Well, it's I, I guess it's sort of like there there are certain actors who I guess give the same performance over and over again. See, like someone like Jeremy Renner, I see as just a blank fucking slate. I, I do too. See, I don't because he's so good in the town. Like Jeremy Renner's amazing in the town. But I mean, they keep trying to for and like the one of the biggest laughs I think is that they're still trying to pretend that this uh, Jeremy Renner born is going to happen. Oh yeah, after Matt Damon is coming back. Yeah. Oh, like, we're just going to delay it. We're just going to push yeah. it back a little bit. Yeah. That but they, like they kept trying to slot him into stuff like that. Well, and Mission Impossible was another one too. Yeah, Mission Impossible, and even in the Avengers, like I, he's like the one I care about absolutely the least. And I think it was evidenced by the fact that they immediately made him hypnotized at the beginning of the adventures. Yeah, I think someone needs to throw out an actor, though, so it's not just me complaining about actors. I don't just... I just said like... Jeremy Renner. <clears throat> yeah, but that's not... You, you You see him as a blank slate. I'm talking about, like, not liking someone. Like, like just, like, saying... I, I, like, oh, when someone so you pops say up you in the... dislike Paul Dano. Yeah. Uh, All right, I have to think about it. I'm more with directors with that kind of uh, stuff. Well, I mean, there, there are some annoying actors that keep getting gigs like we were we used to complain about uh uh 
when we did the show on TV, um, Dan Fogel. Oh, God. Dan Fogler. I'm sorry. Oh, God. Because uh, he was getting roles like like Fanboys is a terrible movie, but he's like awful in that movie. And There's was, also a, a, um, Josh Gad. I don't mind Josh Gad. Really, I I hated I hated what they did with him in uh, Wish You Were Here or Wish I Was Here. We've but we've talked about Josh Gad before. I get mixed up with both of them. Josh Gad is I know Josh Gad is Olaf now. So yeah, but Josh it, Dan like, Fogler was he the one that did the ping pong movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's worse than but, Josh Gad. But there was that. Remember, at least Josh at least Josh Gad can sing. <laughs> well, there was. Remember when we were talking about how there there are actors you get when you can't get another actor, and like <laughs> yeah. for a while it was Josh Gad was when Jonah Hill wasn't available, right. and uh, there there were some other ones. What did uh, there was Chris Messina when you didn't have Paul Rudd? <laughs> uh, yeah. oh, I thought Chris Messina was uh, was Mark Ruffalo. It you could be both Mark ways. Uh, God, there's. I love. I love thinking about. I, thinking about this, it's it's always really fun. Um, I, I just can't think of. So, is there anybody like that in uh, Inherent Vice? Do you think that, uh, mm-hmm. that everybody that that the like because uh, like I just like Reese Witherspoon just seems totally out of place. Like, yeah, like that should have been somebody else. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mind any of the casting. I just thought it was the script itself. That didn't oh, like Owen, Owen Wilson really bothered me. See, I didn't. I thought he was fine. Just because it, I don't know that that scene where he's talking to him and him and Joaquin are talking at the table. That's freaking mumbly, dude. That's. I mean, you can't understand sh- shit they're saying. I mean, what didn't you like the? What was the girl? Uh, was her name Jade? The one that was like, <laughs> oh yeah, the Asian girl, the, the one that did the. You loved her voice. Yeah, she has an awesome voice. I don't yeah. know what it is about it. It's like high pitched, but well, who was the the one that was like narrating? That I hated that. Yeah, the narration is because it's all that seventies moony astro- astrological shit. It's a it's Joanna Newsom, who's Andy Samberg's wife. Wow, I would have never known. She's but... a she's a harp player. She's a harpist. Wow. Yeah, that's weird. How do you know so much about her? Because I just have a basic knowledge of general facts, Jared. <laughs> about about Andy Samberg's wife. <laughs> That's weird. Well, I just know that they're. She's a famous musician. She's like, it's not, like it's not like it's. Guys, like, I have her harp album on my iPod. I'm. You know what? I you know I carefully curate the top five harpists currently working, and she's at least in the top five. Carefully I mean, curate. There was some uh, actress uh, I saw mentioned somewhere, a younger actress. Uh, like a teenager, late teens, and I can't remember what somebody mentioned her in a in a movie, and I was like, "Who is that?" And I looked her up, and her entry on Wikipedia says uh, she's an actress and professional kiteboarder. What's I was like, "Wow, I guess it's good to have something to fall back on." Every in case time the actri- acting doesn't work out. Every time I see bios, I always think back of the. I, I think I showed you guys this: the Paul F. Tompkins, Jeffrey Wright thing. I don't remember what he, you there, he on a podcast once. I think it was on a, a Doug Loves Movies episode. That Jeffrey Wright has a very pretentious uh, IMDb biography. Oh, really? And so, uh, and so, Paul F. Tompkins was talking about how he laughs every time Jeffrey Wright appears because he he always does this overacting thing, and then he thinks back to his bio. Uh, I'll have to find it. Like uh, the Paul F. Tompkins bit is great. You should listen to it. But um, um, Jeffrey Wright's IMDb. I, uh, excuse me, IMDb bio 
says uh, starts with quite possibly the most underrated and underexposed actor of his caliber and generation. <laughs> Who writes those? It's, I mean, they're fan written. Okay. I have an IMDb entry. Did you know that? Yeah. I don't know who made it. I do too. I don't know who made it either. Yeah. I've never I've never been in anything. I, I could do it for Kevin Smith, uh, the Burn in Hell, where I'm audience member. Uncredited. Uncredited audience <laughs> member. <laughs> anyway. Right. Anyway, so Inherent Vice grades. Um, I'm giving this a C+. Plus. This is a C for me. You know what? It's It's been so long. It's it's for me. I remember thinking that it was on the like I could. I didn't know if I liked it or not. Like I was, it could have gone either way. But either I either it. Um, I just saw it last week and it's bad. Yeah, I so. mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I give it an F. No, uh, I, I was. I knew I. I, I either it, I, it either barely worked or it barely didn't work. I think it. I really seriously, it just. I don't know that it barely doesn't work. A C isn't bad though. I mean, a C's average. But it's a not recommended. Maybe for you, your failing grades at school. It's not recommended. Did, did it uh, feel either to you of like just like you're not in on it? Like it, like it's just something's happening and you're just not in on it. Oh yeah, a whole, the whole thing. I mean, I feel about that way, frankly, about a lot of PT and like Magnolia, which you like. I just felt like I was not in on it. Like it was, especially like the the most glaring example is like when Henry Gibson's just saying the nonsense shit that he's saying at the bar in Magnolia. I don't, his, I don't remember it well enough. I that I just remember because I've seen it two or three times, and that's just it's kind of the same vibe I get. Like I don't know what's happening. Like is any of this really happening? Is this a hallucination? Like what the fuck is up with Martin Short? Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree. I didn't like the Martin Short part, but I like Martin Short, but I didn't like his part in this. It was it just felt like hey, here's this actor that we got to play this weird part. So basically, to wrap up everything, Kiko knows. And has been living has been a lie. That's pretty much how what this comes comes down to. It's, it doesn't. It doesn't. His favorite Paul Anderson is now Paul W S. Anyway, C plus for me. C for Jared. Cody, what was your final? I, I, you know, as I think about it, I don't think I would recommend it. So it gets a C plus by default. So, all right, that does it for this week. Yeah, short week, right? Because yeah. we're all tired. And yeah, got- we're we're kind of. And you got to go to a Cowboys game or go I'm watch. I'm not a going to game. it. I would, I would have to get to Green Bay in a hurry. Uh, but it could yeah. happen. It could happen. I don't think it could. No. Uh, but uh, but we will be back in action next week. Next week we're finally going to the theater again. Uh, what do we have? Black Hat. Black Hat. Uh, and then I guess we might try to sneak in Paddington or uh, the Wedding Ringer. I don't I don't know. If There's that's another work. screening on Wednesday. What is it? Uh, that's a that's one that's done come out oh. quite yet. Oh, is American Sniper going American wide Sniper's next week? Next week. Um, God, another movie I saw a month ago. Yeah, that's the only bad thing. We should we should write these things as we see them instead of waiting. But I remember it. Uh, also, something to remember. Um, we'll we'll talk about it next week. But um, we're gonna have Oscar predictions for nominations that will be up and running. Kiko's are up. I don't know if they're final. No, they're not final. So it would say final if they were final. So yeah, we're, we're gonna. Yeah, come on. Come it would on. say final if they're final. <laughs> come on, guys. Uh, so look up, uh, look us up on cinesnob.net. You can see who yeah. we think is going to get nominated on Thursday. Um, then we'll have uh, some uh, reactions to the uh, yeah. top award. Kiko and I have a, a yearly tradition of our uh, Oscar nomination reaction blog that we will keep alive. It's really fun to do because Jared's going to chime in too if he can on Thursday. Because Kiko yeah. and I wake up 
at seven in the morning and watch them live. And they're so. going to do it a little bit different this year. They're going to nominate. I mean, they're going to announce all the nominees, not just the top. You know, whatever ten. Yeah. Um, so you got to sit through like. A, but they're going to do it later on, so it's going to be. Well, it's only going to be eight minutes afterwards. Oh, eight minutes afterwards. I yeah. thought it was going to be a while after. No. Eight minutes after what? They're going to uh, announce the first batch at seven in the morning, and then at seven oh eight. Or seven thirty-eight, or whatever it is, they're going to announce the top categories. It's not going to take very long. Mm. That's weird. Yeah, got to give everybody their due credit. No, I I like it, but that's weird. That why, why don't you just do them all at once? Well, I mean, it's just they're just going. That's just how you know it's why they're time doing out. it. You know why they're doing it because they they do it for the morning news shows and they time it out like at the top of the hour. And yeah. the oh yeah, because mm-hmm. I mean I've worked. It's so long. But I mean, it's only eight minutes afterwards, so it's not like it's that's just how long it's going to take to announce. Yeah, so that's the weird. People. That's weird to me. Like. I don't know. Anyway. Oh, the Arazis too will be not announced uh, Wednesday, the day before, right? I think that's how they do it. I don't know. I don't keep up with the Razzies. It's fun to. I mean, I've never seen them watch the Razzies, but it's fun to see you guys. Can you watch it. the Razzies? I don't think so. You can't watch it online. I don't, think I don't so. know. I, the Razzies is always something that that I always I never pay attention to unless they say like because it's always announced like the day before the Oscars and it's a, like a kicker in the news. It's like oh, so and so won worst movie. And I think the funniest was when. Uh, was it Sandra Bullock? The same year she had uh, she won the, for blind the Blind Side, all about Steve. Yeah, and she actually picked up the award. Mm-hmm. It's a sense of humor. I like. Nah, kind of. I think Halle Berry's was funnier because she 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 um, agreed that Catwoman was terrible. Sandra Bullock, I don't think she's said that all about Steve is a terrible movie or that her performance doesn't, is bad. Doesn't going there? No, verify. I don't think so. Really. I do. I think that she, if you listen to her speech again, she brings the DVD and hands it out to everybody. Well, that's funny. And then she, and then she says something like, "Watch it again," like something like that. Like she, she seems serious to me. I don't know. Maybe I think I think actress actors and actresses know it would be completely tone deaf to show up to an award show to defend your movie while also picking up. Your I don't award. think she was defending it. I think she was doing it more loosely, like just. I'm cool enough to come do this. Um, it's going to help me in my campaign. Anyway, she won, an, she won an undeserving Oscar that year, I think. I think it's like a lifetime achievement. Though. Well, that's what's going to happen with um, uh, Julianne Moore this year, I think. With Still Alice. Yeah. She's 0 for 5, so it's I time to give well, her one. I mean, I think Sandra Bullock, that's being a box office draw, lifetime achievement award thing. Personally. And I liked her. I I don't. I mean, I don't really like the movie that much, but I liked her in The Blind Side mm, personally. Who was she up against that year? I don't I remember. remember. When the hell was that? Like two thousand eight, somewhere around there. Anyway, yeah. So uh, next week, Black Hat. Something else, Black Paddington. Right? No, Paddington. That's... We're not screening Paddington though, are we? But I'm gonna go check it out. Really? Yeah. It's like ninety-seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, that's right. I forgot it's has rave reviews, and that's another thing they probably botched, right? It's well, a, yeah, because but it's you know it's a British thing, so or they released thing, it. They released so. it in Europe first, but uh, I remember pe- watching Paddington. I think we talked about this on a show called Pinwheel back on the old early days of Nickelodeon. It was an imported back Canadian in the show. olden days, and it was a weird. Uh, I remember Paddington was like a little stuffed toy, and all the people were like paper cutouts, and he likes marmalade. <laughs> and then American Sniper which... American Sniper alright so if you want to get a hold of us 
You can email us at podcast at net. You're doing a lot of stuff over there, Cody. What are you looking for? Uh, I'm checking to see if there's anything else that opens. Oh. Well, now's the time. It says that black or white opens on the 16th. Oh, really? That's just what it says. Spare parts. Oh. We, the I wedding ringer. I didn't see spare parts. You saw spare parts, right, Kiko? Mm-hmm, but, I mean, we're not going to talk about it unless one of you watches it. So. I'm supposed to interview um, G- George Lopez tomorrow. Again? again? Oh, my God. You're going to piss him off again. <laughs> How long ago was it you interviewed him? It wasn't even that long ago, was it? Like a month? Or no, two? it's been a couple of months since I interviewed him. I won't. I don't know. Maybe he won't remember. How me. was the movie? Uh, surprisingly, not terrible. <laughs> That's a very. That's a good uh, rating system. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> surprisingly, not terrible. Uh, so, if you want to email us, you can get email us at uh, podcast@cinesnob.net. You can also call us at nine two zero film two one zero nine two zero three four five six two one zero. Check out our Oscar picks later on this week. Uh, I'm sorry, our, our Oscar... What are we doing? Oscar what nomination is, picks. Oscar nomination picks, and then compare them to uh, what actually comes out and mm-hmm. laugh at us. Look for that blog thing. <laughs> spiraling. I'm selling it. I'm really selling it, you guys. Uh, anyway, give us a review, iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, once again, thanks to the Houston Film Critics Society for having us yesterday. And having uh, us just in general. Yeah. Loving us. We uh, people were asking us very polite questions if if we were enjoying it if we were was yeah. working out and if they were concerned for our safety on the drive home yeah mm-hmm. that's a nice group of people yeah we made it home fine it was rainy mm-hmm. oh man we hit that patch of rain that sucked it was crazy did you feel the car go squirrely uh, yeah that sucked I was like whoa and it was like really really dark yeah it's so dark hello text dot. Why don't you get on the ball and put some fucking lights on the road between San Antonio and Houston, a major east-west artery throughout the nation, and there's no fucking lights. I couldn't even – I could barely see the stripes on the road. I fell asleep a few times because it was so dark. (laughs) Great. I was too busy eating my water burger to care. I was like, yeah, if we flip over, we flip over. At least I'm going to have a full stomach. He died as he lived, full of water burger. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for this week. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. And I'm Kiko Martinez. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.